0: Coach Jurek had so many of them. You know, when you're through and proven, you're through. So you know, Don't eat anything you can't lift. Come on, ref, I'm starting to take this person personal. Funny one-liners, just one after the other after the other. Welcome to the Fred
1: Opie Show, where you learn how to make a difference on and off the field. I'm your host, Fred Opie, a former Syracuse University and U.S. National Team athlete, earned historian. I use the all histories of my guests to unpack strategies to make a positive impact in this world. On today's Fred Opie Show, we speak to Rick Soul, the head lacrosse coach at the United States Naval Academy, about his time serving as an assistant coach under Hall of Famer Coach Dave Yurick at Georgetown University. And we also talk about Yurickisms—that that is the sayings that anybody who has been around Coach Yurick is familiar with. But first, my response to questions from listeners. Jason Huron, who, like me, is a volunteer coach for his daughter's team, writes, I've been listening to your lacrosse podcast for a few months, and I just wanted to thank you for the great content and inspiration. Then he goes on to ask, What are the three most vital technical points you would recommend that I teach an 11 and under girls team about a settled offense set? I don't want to overemphasize systems, but I think they've reached the age and stage when I should at least introduce a basic settled offense concept for them so they begin to understand how five players can work together in the offensive zone and have something of a plan and structure to it. Thanks in advance for your guidance. Jason, first, thanks for being a regular listener to the show, and I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying the content. You ask a great question. What's appropriate to teach 11 and under athletes in terms of X's and O's? My response would be the same for basketball, soccer, ice hockey, or lacrosse, which are all sports I've coached for kids who are U11 athletes. I want to share seven points that address your question, in which I will leave these in the liner notes for this show, and you can review them later. First, let's remember the KISS principle. Keep it simple. Teach the players to prevent traffic jams, move the ball, keep possession, be a double threat to score a goal or assist a goal. So here's seven points I would suggest to you, Jason. Teach your players the following seven. Move to the open space to prevent traffic jams. Have them think of their offense like cars at a busy intersection that they want to move to open space, move them to open space to prevent traffic jams or log jams. Number two, teach them to be a threat to shoot or assist a goal in open space. At all times, teach them to be a threat. If they're too far from the goal, they won't be a threat to shoot or assist a goal. Teach them to be a threat to shoot or assist a goal in open space. Number three, Teach them to keep passes and shots five to seven yards. I think this would keep a lot of college teams from having so many turnovers. Roughly five to seven yards. Keep the passes and the shots on goal five to seven yards. I think you will increase the accuracy of the shooting and decrease the turnovers in the offensive zone. Number four, shooter pass within three to five seconds. This is something that can take the passing to another level. Forget the youth leagues where they have a three pass requirement. What I do with my players, I've been doing this for a long time, and it is successful. Have them shoot or pass within three to five seconds. Three to five seconds is a whole lot more time than you actually realize, so try it. Number five, teach your players to back up shots on goal to maintain possession. In lacrosse, that's how it works. If you take a shot, whoever closest to the ball before it goes over the inline maintains possession. So always have them know the importance of backing up shots to maintain possession. Number six, it's harder to cover people who move than those who don't. Take it from a defenseman who played at the highest level in the game. It is hard to cover people who move. Teach them to constantly move, to be a threat, to shoot or to assist a goal. Number seven, Pour on praise when they execute your desired outcomes. That is really important. Oftentimes, I will blow the whistle and stop the players. They think they're in trouble, and I go, Whoa, wow, that was awesome. So, pour on the praise when you see them execute a desired outcome, whether that be at the individual level or at the collective level as a team. Listen to the archived interview, first of all, that I did with Hall of Fame coach Mike Masser at fredopi.com and look for the link to the podcast. You will see that Coach Messier talks about this with his high school players. He's been doing this. He does not have necessarily set offenses, and he's won many high school state championships and a number of players who are now in the Hall of Fame. He talks about this, so I think it would be really helpful. Let me summarize. Uh, What I'm saying here, Jason, shoot or pass within three to five seconds. Be a double threat to score or assist in a goal. It's harder to cover someone who moves than those who stand still. And finally, here's a parallel principle that I think would help everybody. As in life, great offensive players hustle and make things happen instead of watching things happen. And the best offenses are based on a great defense. Let me say that again. As in life, great offensive players hustle and make things happen instead of watching things happen. And the best offenses are based on a great defense. I got another question that came via Facebook. That's another way you can reach out to me. They have a child who's a big fish on their team, and they're debating whether they should move the child up into a more competitive environment. If your son or daughter is fanatical about their sport, and they have the ability, and you have the cash, this is what you should do. Try enroll them in a one or two day clinic attended by kids who are competitive and skilled under, super, under the supervision of some great coaches. So how do you find those clinics? Check the website of top high school and college programs in your area, Ask people in the know in your network who have had kids who played at a very high level, whether it be Division uh, three, two, one, or whatever in college. But if they played in college, believe me, these parents have gone through the same pros- process that you're trying to evaluate. Once you get that kid in the clinic, and the clinic probably won't cost you any more than maybe 100 bucks, 50 bucks, depends on what it is, but it's worth the investment. Watch your child play at the beginning of the clinic. And come before the clinic is over and watch your child again and read your child's body language. How are they responding to being in a competitive environment in which they are not the, the most dominant player there? If you see your child having a great time, it's a great indicator that you should probably move them to a more competitive environment. Also, ask the child. Ask them for feedback about what they thought about playing in this more competitive environment with better players. This should give you the information you need to make an informed decision about whether to put your child in a more competitive environment or you to invest more for your child to do so. Above all, be sure your child is pulling the process and you're not pushing the child into a more competitive environment. Please email me at fdopie at gmail.com and share your questions. I will repeat them on the show so people get the benefit of your question and my response. Invite me to speak and host the Fred Opie Show at your school, club team, or camp by emailing me at fdopie at gmail.com. Hosting the show is a great way for the older students who are interviewed to pass on positive peer pressure to younger students. And during the Q&A with the audience, I share a perspective I wish I had when I was younger. Now on to our interview with Coach Ricky Sol of the United States Naval Academy. We talk about his experience working under Dave Eurer as an assistant coach at Georgetown University for about eight years before becoming the head lacrosse coach at Dartmouth College. I asked Coach Soule for his advice to the younger version of him seeking to build his or her resume to become a lacrosse coach at a place like the United States Naval Academy. Coach Soule is a native of Western New York where he grew up not far from Hobart College. Like Greg Tarbell who we've done a podcast on. Check it out in our archive. He attended Copeland School College, where he earned All-American honors before transferring to Washington College, which is located not far from the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. Coach Soule is a husband and a father of two girls and someone I consider a friend.
0: When I think of Coach York, you know, you you talk about players who have it, you know, and what what exactly is it? And um, you know, you can define that in many ways and, and that's how I, I when I think of coach, he just had it, you know, he just had a way, um, with the players. Um, no no question he was more of a, a players coach. Um, you know, he wasn't a big yeller and screamer, that type of coach, but um the players really loved playing for him. They responded to him when he did, you know, every now and again, um, raise his voice. He created this environment where he made the, the, this playing the game fun. And I think that, you know, as a result, he got the best out of his players. Now don't get me wrong. He had some awfully talented players too. Um, no, no doubt about it. You know, when you talk about coaches, you know, you talk about a personality, you talk about their knowledge. Coach, Coach York had, Both of those traits, Um, but his personality, I think, was the strength of his his coaching philosophy. Him being him, more than anything else, Uh, and the players just loved playing for him. And uh, as a result, you know, they would run through a a brick wall for him. And um, you know, he had one of the better stretches in all of sports. Right? He won 12 national championships in a row. That really speaks to uh, the, the great job that he did as the coach up at Hobart.
1: How did you come to be his assistant at Georgetown?
0: Coach Eric and I go go a little ways back. Um, I was actually supposed to go to Hobart coming out of high school. Um, I was more of a football player than a lacrosse player at that time because I had only started playing lacrosse um, my sophomore year in high school. Um, and I grew up about an hour south of Hobart. My high school coach played at Hobart. And I was supposed to go there, um, thought I was going to, to play football before actually even playing lacrosse. But things didn't work out academically for me, for me, so I had to go to junior college. As you know, that's where you and I competed against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but Coach York and I developed a little bit of a relationship—not not a huge relationship—but um, you know, between you know, with the football camp up there, and again, my high school coach—you know—played for him, and so he gets to you know he takes the Georgetown job back in I guess 1989, and I tell people. Um, you know, comparing Coach Tierney leaving Princeton to go to Denver, you know, six years ago I guess. Um, you know, that was Coach Yurick when he left Hobart to go to Georgetown. Holy smokes, here's this coach who won twelve national championships. You know, he's moving on to go to Georgetown, a program who hadn't had a winning season ever. Um, and um so that was big news. Um and so that was when I was coaching at St. Albans, um, St. Albans School, which is about a mile up the street from mm-hmm. Georgetown. Um, and so Coach would come to my games that spring. Um, I think he, was, he didn't know a lot of people. And, again, he and I had a little bit of a relationship. And so he enjoyed coming to see my team play. And so um, at the end of that spring – uh, we had just lost the heartbreaker to Landon too, uh, and I was man. You know, we're gonna we're gonna beat Landon next year. I'm telling my team and uh, my parents. Well, Georgetown had um, when they hired Coach York as the head coach, they told him um, he they, you know they didn't have the resources for a full time assistant that first year, but they would have it you know starting you know the second year, and so at the end of his first year. He comes to me and, and um, you know asks me if I wanted to be his coach. Now a little side story here: he had offered it to Mark Van, who had played for him, of course, and, and Mark Van's dad um, was, I think, the president of Hobart. No, so they've known each other for years. Um, but Mark had just graduated from grad school up at UMass, mm-hmm. and um, and so, um, but the Virginia job. I think Chris Kolbeck had left Virginia. And the Virginia job assistant job came open and so Coach Starja asked um Mark Van if he would, you know, be his assistant down in Charlottesville. So Mark Van, um you know, you know, having spent, you know, a lot of his life with Coach York, decided, you know, that he wanted to, you know, coach, you know, under Coach Starja and so he decides to go to Charlottesville, um, uh, which opened the door for me. And um, I guess you can say the rest is history. I ended up working eight years with him, uh, eight of the best years of my life. Uh, Learned so much, um, not only in the coaching uh, arena, but just in regular life. You know, I just learned so much from Coach Yurick, being around him and his family. Still very, very, very close to um, the family, Scott, the boy, Holly, Mindy, the two daughters, and, of course, Mrs. Yurick. They're like family to me.
1: The show will be right back. Start With Your Gift. Understand and monetize it while serving others with it. This book is written for the younger version of me. In Start With Your Gift, I help you recognize your gift, select mentors, choose the right school and training, consider childhood wounds in need of healing, identify internships, show you how to select jobs, get your financial house in order, live and give like no one else. And it's available on Amazon.com. As a ebook or paperback. Now back to the show. You know, Coach Yurk is a colorful guy. Anybody who has played with him, any referees have been around him, they know he's a colorful guy. I wondered what were some of his mantras that have become ingrained in you. I-
0: Coach Yurk had so many of them. It, it's so, and I laugh because I, I still use. I still use I still use a lot of them, and I come up and I just I just laugh, and of course my players are looking at me like, well, you know, you know, you know these one these one liners, but he he had a bunch of them, you know, he had a bunch of them. As I'm thinking, um, you know, when you're through and proven, you're through. The only thing we have in common with our opponent is time, you know, and it's what what we got to make best use of our time. You're standing out in the rain, you know, once once you're wet, you're wet. You know, at halftime, you know, the easy half is over. Like dying and going to heaven. Somebody got in trouble. You know, I'll rip your lips off. One of his advices he'd have is, you know, don't eat anything you can't lift. You know, hey, ref, he's warding off with his helmet. Come on, ref, I'm starting to take this person up. These one-liners that would just crack you up. He was just so funny, and it was just a joy to be around every day.
1: What was distinctive about his coaching style?
0: He was just so cool under pressure. He made great adjustments at halftime, you know, he wasn't typically yelling and screaming. Every now and again, he'd raise his voice, yeah, you know, he'd get get after the guys. Um, And obviously when he did, you know, the guys really knew, you know, that uh, either they had screwed up or, you know, coach was serious. But, um, you know, his ability late in the game when the pressure's on to just bring the guys in the huddle and just say the right thing and allow them to go out and execute his ability to make uh, not just the in-game adjustments but just how he related how he spoke to the team you know when the game is you know it's a one-goal game late you know late in the fourth quarter um, or it's a tie game in overtime you know his ability to relax the team to me was just um, very very impressive
1: when you win 12 national championships there's a whole lot of lessons learned before you got to that point. How many games that he lost?
0: I'm sure he learned some things, just as I've learned some things from him that I've taken. So he has helped me going forward as a as a head coach.
1: What way has he influenced you in the huddle at halftime, recruiting? What, how has he influenced you directly as a coach?
0: I just learned from just from watching him. You know, as being a head coach, is letting your assistant coaches coach. He let me coach. I made mistakes. He would correct me when I made mistakes, but he really was, especially when I first got there, Mm -hmm. a high school coach, you know, stepping into the college game, he let me coach. He relied a lot on me when, when it came to recruiting. But just watching him in a home, you know, how he spoke with the parents and watching him, throwing some funny in there. No doubt you Coach your comes into your house. Now, he may, we might not ultimately get that recruit, mm-hmm. but, man, they're, they're going to think long and hard, and the parents are going to be like, man, I want my son to play for this you know, for this man. I learned um, a lot of things on the field to this day when we start practice. I've got to be able to play defense. And clear the ball. Those are very important things. You've Got to defend. And you got to be able to clear. So I still base a lot of my practice plan early in the season on being good on the defensive end of the field, and then making sure we can, you know, we can clear the ball. Those are just a few of many things that I learned from him. Really treat my assistants the way that um, he treated me, and you say hire good people and you let them do their job. That is definitely something that stuck with me. I use it to this day.
1: When you became a head. College coach at Dartmouth. What were some of the things that you thought you understood about being a head coach that, after you became one, you go, "Man, I didn't know this was going to be like this."
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's another. That's another good. Another good question. I haven't taken over a program that ha- had a, a winning record, so you know, I knew coming into these situations, just going to you know be rebuilding and going to take some time and you know, I'm going back to, I guess, you know, when I took over at, at, at Dartmouth, being away from your family, you know, those first couple of years, my wife, you know, she was excited that I was a head coach, but you know, being on the road all the time with a little, a little, little baby girl left for some lonely times for her, which she wasn't happy about.
1: You're the head coach at a great place. I mean, people would love to have the job you have the 20 year old version of you that hears this podcast, as watching this on live on Facebook, how would you encourage them to establish their credentials? What are some things that you say you need this on your resume? So that if an opportunity comes to interview for one of the top jobs individual in the visual lacrosse, you'll be in the hunt.
0: I'd say right off the bat, and it's an easy one. You know, got to put the time in. You know, working lacrosse campus, Things have changed significantly, as you know. During the '80s, '70s, '80s, early '90s. Summer camps were very important. Going to those different camps, you know, whether it's a Rutgers camp or a Hobart camp, you know, West Point camp, getting out. Ultimately, just meeting people. But nowadays, it's a little different because they're the recruiting showcases. You know, I remember, you know, the Hobart camp. It's when I got first got to know Coach Tierney and all the, you know, just a lot of great coaches, you know, Paul Wareham, and just de- developing relationships with them. You know, that's a big part of it because when people hire you know, a head coaching job, you're going to look to hire someone that you have, you know, at least a little bit. Hiring coaches out of the blue that you have no idea who they are, that's, you know, that doesn't happen very often. There's usually some kind of connection. And obviously your resume, where you've been, experience, that, that's going to factor in. But it's going to come down to, do I know this guy? Do I feel comfortable with this guy? What's the reputation of this guy? And that's the other thing that I would advise my um my younger self, and, and that would be to being a good person. And that's not being, you know, kind of phony or fake around people, to so they see you being this certain type of uh, person. But I was raised very well by my by my mother, and a lot of the the credit that I've gotten over the years is directly as a result of her teaching me the right things, you mm-hmm. know, right from wrong, to be polite. But you being an African American, myself being an African American, very few even to this day play the sport. But 20 years ago, 30 years ago, there was there was very very few. I treat people the right way, please and thank you, and respectful to 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 people. I I think that that would be something I would definitely make sure my younger self knew. You 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 know, and that's how I teach my raise my kids as well. So that's a big part of it. At the end of the day, you want people. To be able to say, Man, that's a you know, he, he's a good person. He's a good guy. That, to me that's like the ultimate compliment. You know, he's a good guy a good person. That's being respectful, being polite. I think that that has served me well. Um and again I have to give full credit to my to my mother for the person I am today. Um when you sprink I do sprinkle in some, some coaching influence. Dave York, B One, Terry Corcoran, my high school coach Tom Moffitt, Keith Reitenbach, all those guys have tr- had tremendous influences on me as well. But in terms of the foundation of who I am, no doubt about it, it was my mother, it would certainly tell my younger self you know, that these are the things that you need to, to do if you want to succeed in coaching.
1: There's a book that I read, I think it's called More Than Talent. And the book essentially says that that's not enough. There's, there's the, you gotta be a good citizen, is what I hear you say. Absolutely. And, and people don't, you know, X's and O's are great. You can know that. But let's just be, if you're a jerk, nobody's going to want to work with you. No one's to want to be recruited by a jerk, and nobody wants to hire a jerk. Mm-hmm. And I Amen. think that just gets very often pushed under the rug. And we're in a time period now where a lot of these scandals coming out. That will just derail your career. Forget uh, rec- uh, trying to get a, ho- a head coaching job when you can't even be a person someone wants to live with.
0: I agree with you hundred percent. hundred percent. You know, um you know, school was never a big you know, that was always tough for me, that was always a big challenge for me, but um you know, just being a good person, you know, could really it does get you it gets you a long ways. There's no there's no doubt about it.
1: If you like what you hear in the show, share a link on Facebook or Twitter or send a link to a friend If you have a question you want us to address on the show, write me at f d o p i e at gmail You can find our show archive blog suggested reading, and more at fredopie.com. now back to the show If you could have a superpower, which one would you want and why
0: i'm a i'm a i'm an old school guy super superman you know I, i'm i'm you know Clark Kent, you know being able to uh, fly. You know, um, <laughs> man, you know one day you're hanging out. You know, one one minute you're hanging out in a nice suit. You the next minute you know you're out. You know, flying in friendly skies with traffic the way it could be in, in certain certain parts of this country. You know, to be able to fly um, saved me a lot of time. <laughs> but, um, but being able to help people as well as, as Superman did throughout his throughout his whole you know his whole uh, his whole career. Um, I'd have to say, um, you know, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of Superman, and, and that is someone um, that you know. If I if I had to say, a superpower, if I had a choice, I, I would I would go that route.
1: If you could have dinner with three people, they could be dead or alive. Which three people? Only three. Which three people would you have, and why would you choose these three?
0: It's the first one. You know, my, my man, my man, MJ, Michael Jordan. You know, he's my all-time favorite. You know, athlete. Uh, just being able to sit down, and have a have a have a meal with him would, would certainly be pretty pretty cool. Um, the way he played, the grace, the competitiveness, coming through in the big moment um, as he did so often. You know, he was my man. There's no 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 doubt about it. The other person um, that was easy for me to have a meal with is Harriet Tubman. My thesis back in college was on the Underground Railroad. I'm fascinated by I'm, I'm just fascinated by the Underground Railroad and you know abolitionists back in the in, in the day of slavery. It's just amazing, you know, that she a freed herself and then the number of missions that she did to go, you know, rescue, you know, whether it's family, whether it was friends. Could you imagine how, what it was like, you know, traveling, the, you know, the country back, you know, when it's dark, there's no flashlights, there's no, I mean, you're running up and down, you know, you're traveling at night. Not only did she did it, do it once, she did it numerous amount of time. She also served in the, you know, in the army as a scout and a spy. Um, I'm just very, uh, in awe, but certainly intrigued and would love to just sit down and just like, man, how what? How did you do it? <laughs> you know, how did you do it? You want to talk about, um, you know, fortitude. Back up to north, back down south, back up to north. So I, I'm fascinated by Harriet Tubman and 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 know uh, what she did, you know, throughout her life. On the same topic, Martin Luther King. I mean, you got to go with you know, Dr. Martin Luther King. For me, you know, sat down, had a meal with him. He was a leader, and and obviously his approach, nonviolence, must have been so difficult, so difficult back then. Because so many people, you know, wanted to, you know, it was about, you know, trying to get back, pay back physically, you know, and he's stressed doing it, uh, you know, a different way. Parrot, Tubman, Michael Jordan, and Dr. Martin Luther King.
1: When is the last time you cried and why?
0: The last time I cried was, um, <laughs> you know, our quarter final of the NCAA tournament. Beat Yale up at Yale, doing the interview with... The Paul Carcaterra was one of them. And I end up just tearing up. Now I go back to our conversation we we had a, little, a few minutes ago, and me praising my mom. She had died in late fall. Now this was May. Her, her birthday was in March, March 31st. So it was her first birthday with her no longer being here. And then Mother's Day was I think the week earlier. Oh, week okay. earlier. So you know we win this game. It was a you know uh, obviously a great moment for my team and you know and for myself personally. Haven't taken this program over. You know, the first couple of years it was pretty tough. You know, we had to get things going. That was a moment that that she would have been very proud of of me. And um, I just broke down. And I ha- I didn't break down even at her funeral service. I ha- I held together. You know, all that time. But you know, we we beat Yale. I just couldn't help myself. I was thinking about her. But we just pulled this off, ma. We did it. I finally broke down.
1: More men need to see that real men can cry. I think it's great. Last question, I don't tell my guests this beforehand because they really need to think and I wouldn't want them to process it too much. Rick, we're gonna say that you just came from uh, the doctor and you learned that you have a rare form of bone cancer and they're gonna give you literally three months to live and they tell you, you need to get your house in order And decide how you want to live this next three months what we're going to ask you to do is to make a video and in that video share three things a person needs to do three principles if you're going to live a life that has a great impact impact maybe at the scale that your mom has had on you what are three things that you would want your current players your alum your daughter, your wife, and your extended family to know. If you're going to have a great impact on this world, what are three principles to live by?
0: Wow. Wow. That um, treat people respectfully, that's a, that's a must. There's no, there's no doubt about it. If you're going to make a mistake, hold yourself accountable. That's a principle. Third one, having a pretty good work ethic. I think it's very important. You know, you can't be lazy tell my kids tell you know tell my team you got to have a you know pretty sound work ethic certainly the first two being respectful to people is that's a no-brainer i think accountability is certainly an easy one for me and then third one having the work ethic that's going to get you places you know that is going to get you some place if, if you're not afraid to you know put the time in and you know roll those sleeves up and you know persevere maybe some perseverance involved but um the work ethic's there you know hopefully in the end uh, good things will happen
1: rick i want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for for taking the time out of a busy schedule to talk i want to say just how proud i am to be able to call you a friend uh we were together we used to i used to cover this guy used to be some battle this is back when i used to talk trash folks And, and and rick would just was was a bull to cover just tough and Coldwell School used to beat our butts every year in the first rounds of regional playoffs. But I, I've seen you grow, see you develop, and as not only a coach but as a as a husband, as a father, I'm super proud of you. And I want to say, well done. I think your mother would be just absolutely delighted to see the things you've accomplished. And and it's just getting started in my mind. You got a whole lot more uh, to do in life. And thank you.
0: Well, Fred, I I really appreciate it man. It just makes my day to hear you uh, say such kind things about me. You know um, the respect is uh, right back at you. I was talking to my man Jack earlier and just um, Jack Ray that is and just telling them how tough you are. What a great athlete that you were. You know, I remember, you know, again, those days at Cobuskill and Herkimer, you with the short stick, you with the long stick. Um, yeah, you talking some smack, but man, you could <laughs> pack it up too. That's, that's something that you could do. And, um, you know, I'm a big fan of yours and equally as proud of you for the things that you've gone on and done in your life. And, um, um, I really appreciate you having me on. I, as you, when you sent me that email asking if I would be willing to you know, to talk to you, uh, it took me a half a second. <laughs> I just had to register it, and I was like, heck, yeah, that would be awesome. And so I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun, and um, um, I wish you all the best uh, this upcoming season, and I'll look forward to seeing you down the road sometime.
1: That's a wrap for this show. Thanks for listening more content like it, go to fredopie.com. This show could have been brought to you by your company. If you have questions about advertising and sponsoring this show, contact us at fdopie at gmail.com That's fdopie at gmail.com Start with a gift. Learn how to understand your gift, monetize it, and serve others with it. I wrote it for the younger version of me who I describe as having sports on the brain and lots of pain. It'll be available online at fredopi.com.